If you'd remain standing, please, for our scripture reading, which comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. In the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, the ability to help others, leadership skills, different kinds of tongues. All aren't apostles, are they? All aren't prophets, are they? All aren't teachers, are they? All don't perform miracles, do they? All don't have gifts of healing, do they? All don't speak in different tongues, do they? All don't interpret, do they? Use your ambition to try to get the greater gifts, and I'm going to show you an even better way. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we are going to continue our journey through the Apostles' Creed and the 12 statements of faith that it contains and that we recite and that we commit to each time we share in this passage. Over the past nine weeks, we've looked at how the passages of the Creed pertain to God who is our Father. We've looked at the heart of the Creed that tells us about Jesus Christ, His Son. And then last Sunday, we took some time to look specifically at the third part of the Creed that looks at the third part of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And the way that God chooses to be with us and chooses to interact with us by the same power of that Spirit. And so this morning we're going to begin uh, the portion of the Creed that tells us, in a sense, of how we as Christians are supposed to be in relationship to the world and to each other. This morning we're looking specifically at the portion of the Creed where we profess the work of the church and the communion of the saints. And so by, before I begin looking at the church and what it means for us to profess it in the Apostles' Creed, I think it's helpful for us to look specifically at what we mean when we say Holy Catholic Church, when we read the Creed. Because historically, this is a line that has caused problems for some because of the word Catholic, especially after the Protestant Revolution in the 1500s. The confusion lies in the fact that there's a denomination, right, or a church, the Roman Catholic Church, that includes Catholic in their official name, and that would be the Big C Catholic, so it's capitalized, where we're Little C Catholic when we read about the Apostles' Creed, and let me tell you why. In the Protestant Reformation, the Reformers moved away from, from the Roman Catholic Church for a multitude of reasons, just a few being translation of the Bible into languages other than Latin, conduct of worship in language other than Latin, the forgiveness of sin, and then basically just the authority of the clergy and the church. And so the Protestant Reformers, some of them are pictured here, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and some others, uh, they wanted to reform the Catholic Church from within. That was their original plan and their original purpose. They had no intent to start a different denomination or a different community of faith that was separate from the Catholic Church. But as they began to experience opposition and persecution and excommunication, and even some of them were martyred, like John Tyndale was martyred. He was, he was burned at the stake for, for translating the Bible into to a language other than Latin. Eventually, a new church formed as they split off from the Roman Catholic Church and as they gained uh, new followers and new denominations were created. Some of these Protestant communities did not want to use the Apostles' Creed that said the word Catholic because they were trying to say, we're really not Catholic. But fortunately, this didn't take root. 
Because I think what it tells us and what it reminds us each time we say it is even more important today than at any time. Because when we say the word Catholic, we're using little c Catholic. Meaning that we are saying it is a descriptive word and not an official title of a church or a denomination. And so what we're saying when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're saying, I believe in the universal church. Which is actually a little easier if you think about it that way. We're saying that we believe that God works in the church in a universal way. Not in universal in the sense that, that God doesn't have you know, basics that he expects us to follow. Uh, that he expects us to, to seek forgiveness for our sin. That he expects us to repent and do all of those things. That's not what I mean by universal. What I mean is that God has chosen to work in different denominations and in different ways so that you and I might all experience the grace of God and others will in ways that it meets them as well. And so why, when we say this, we're saying that we believe in the global movement of Christianity. And that God is working amongst people of all tribes and tongues and nations and every other descriptive word that you can put in there. But here's where it jumped out at me this week as I was researching and thinking about this passage in the Apostles' Creed. Because by us including this, this line in the Apostles' Creed by the church as universal including this line in the Apostles' Creed, is we're saying that we believe that God works in and through this world, through the church, at the same level and in the same way that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and in His ascension. Have you ever thought of it that way? It means that we are saying that we believe that, that God... Um, that God believes in the church in the same way that we believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. It means that we believe that God is working in the church in the same way that, that we believe that God is Father. What it means is that we believe that God has elevated this group of people, not just in this place, but in every place, to be more than just a human organization. And that the church is how God has chosen to work in this world. The church is how God chooses to build in this world. And the church is who God brings together to do His work in this world. See, so what we do together, who we are together, is something far greater because God has chosen, God has ordained it, God has made it happen and God has fulfilled the promise that you read about in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Where Jesus is, is talking to Peter, he's talking to the disciples, and he tells Peter, you know, that, that on you, you are the rock on which I will build my church. And then he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never overpower it. Because Jesus is saying, and what we are saying when we recite in this line, is that we believe that God has chosen to work in this world through the church. Friends, that means that, that we have a great responsibility whenever we gather together. It means that God has, has not just uh, allowed this body to happen as random people coming together, but God has created this body. And that while you and I might be part of an individual church, a First United Methodist Church, within the United Methodist Church, we're also part of a larger body through which lives are changed and God is working. And so when we, are, we who are Methodist 
say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, what we're saying is, first, I'm a Christian, and I choose to express my Christianity and to profess my faith as a Methodist. I'm going to be the first to admit to say that there's potential for us to look at this line in the creed and have difficulty because the church is an organization made up of humans, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but in my experience of humans, we all have different emotional levels, different skill levels, different ways of dealing with stress, different preferences, and different backgrounds. Basically, we can look around at each other and say, we're all different, right? And so it's easy for us in the church to get so focused on the human element of the church that we lose the fact that it is God who has created this body that you and I are part of. It's God. And really the amazing part of that is that God has chosen to work through you and through me and through everyone else gathered here, both to offer salvation to the world, but also as the way that we receive salvation. And so whenever we do this statement of faith, Whenever we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're affirming that as Christians, we are created to be in relationship with each other. We are affirming that we recognize as Christians that the Christian faith is to be lived out with other Christians, even as imperfect and even as messy at times as it might be. This means that 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 God has chosen the church, bodies of people, the community of faith, as his primary way of working in the world. And this means that each of you, when you've accepted God to work in and through your life, when I accepted God to work in and through my life, we also accepted the call and the charge that God had placed on our lives to be a part of that work. See, that's what makes the church different. I mean, there's plenty of other organizations that do good, that leave suffering, that, that feed the hungry, that, that do whatever it is, but it's the church that God has commissioned, that God has equipped, and that God has enabled to be the ones to bring the future reality of what God's kingdom is going to be like when Jesus returns. And so we're given the same gifts, the same tools, the same talents, to be used in this church in the same way as the communion of saints who have gone before us. Because that's the second part of this morning's line. Is that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Often we read and we talk about the communion of saints and it'll be in a couple weeks on November 7th when we traditionally gather together to, to celebrate and to remember as part of All Saints Day those who have lived in the faith and who have left us this past year. But for us to be in communion of saints is for us this morning to realize that we're connected to a line of Christians that we can trace to the very disciples that walked with Jesus Christ. We may not know them all by name. We may not know all of their stories. We may not be able to go much farther than you know a generation or two ahead of us to talk about and to think about their history and their story. But I think what we can say is that the gospel message of Jesus Christ went from Jesus to Peter and Paul and James. Well, we wouldn't have gone to Paul because Jesus never talked to Paul. But So it went from Jesus 
to the 12 disciples, then to Paul and to others, Barnabas and others, and then from them it went and it has just continued to go and continued a line and a change of people in faith who have passed this gospel message on and others have heard it and received it and the Spirit of God has worked in their hearts and they have allowed their lives to be changed in the same way that those very first Christians' lives were changed. Friends, for you to say, I believe in the communion of saints, you are saying that I believe the message that I have received and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the same message that the very first disciples heard when Jesus himself, himself uh, uttered those words to them. And that's amazing. That's amazing because you and I are able to receive this message and it works in our lives in exactly and in similar ways to those who have gone before us. I mean, there's a few thousand years that separate us from Jesus. But the message hasn't changed. The message of hope and the message of redemption and the message of forgiveness and the message of life that God has offered us through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the very same message that Peter and James and John and all of the others heard as Jesus preached to them on the shores of the Sea of Galilee or in the streets of Jerusalem. The message that we have heard is the same message that Paul and Barnabas and Philip, and Stephen, and others who heard of the resurrection from those first witnesses and believed. And then they took that message of hope, and of grace, and of life, and of God, and they shared it out into the world. See, that's what it means to be a part of the communion of saints. It's for us to profess and to recognize and remember that, that we've received this message, this gift, this, this hope, this life. And it's the same message that the very first Christians professed. And see, here's where it's cool is because it's also the very same work and potential and hope for us that the very first Christians experienced. So when we combine these lines together, that the church is both Catholic and universal and that the church is a communion of saints, when I say those lines, I'm reminded that the church isn't just a structured organization. We should be reminded when we say these lines that, that the church consists of and, and is made up of redeemed people. This means that the church is us. And so like in our children's time and then in our song, the church is not just a physical building. And so often we've got to where, you know, we, we've allowed that to be something we think. But the church is formed whenever people of faith gather together and assemble, as we read in 1 Corinthians. And then in Paul's uh, you know, letter that we read this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we just read as part of our scripture reading this morning. Because Paul tells the church how they're to be in community. He tells us how we're to be in community. He tells us how we're to be in support of each other and, and encouragement of each other and to recognize the gifts within each other and then to live and use the gifts that we've been given. But see what Paul says, and if you read his letters, if you read 1 Corinthians where he spends quite a bit of time telling the church how they're supposed to be the church, not once does he talk about a building. Because the church begins right here for each and every one of us. As God touches our hearts, as God changes our minds, as we invite the Holy Spirit by the power of God to work 
and to change us and to guide us and to direct us and to do everything else that we invite him to do. See, the early church didn't have the opportunity that you and I have. To be able to know as, as they show as you as we pull up to this building on a Sunday morning and, and to know that, you know, the heat should be on, <laughs> to know that it's going to be clean, to know that we're going to have a place to sit, to know that we're not going to have to worry about things happening or people coming or, you know, just, just general things. The early church, whenever they gathered, they went to people's houses not knowing if they were going to get, you know, in trouble or caught. Or they went to, you know, Paul went to the lecture hall in Ephesus not knowing if the people were going to welcome him or allow him to, to continue to teach in that place. They gathered wherever. The Philippians went to the banks of, of that river in Philippi. But see, this is helpful. Because when we read the New Testament letters, what do we see? We see that wherever the people are gathered together, that's where the church is. And so one of the best metaphors that, that Paul used for the, repeatedly for the church, and I think the reason he used it repeatedly is because we could also go look, and, and there are no letters that say this, but my guess is that Peter and James and John and the other leaders of the Christian church also referred to the church as a body. They also used the imagery that Paul uses, the metaphor of, of connecting and how we are interconnected as a body is connected. They also used the language where, where you know, we realize that, that some of us have gifts that others don't. Some of us can sing, others can't. Some of us can serve, others are unable to. Some of us can do teaching or, or whatever it is. But see, folks, it's because we're part of a body of faith that we are able to come together and use the strengths of each other, and we all benefit from it. Because we are connected as the body of Christ to each other and to the larger community of faith. Through our worship, through our service, through the Holy Spirit. And there's communion that we, that we participate in. And I don't just mean the, the sacrament of communion where we receive bread and juice, but there is communion in the way that, that God has crafted us to be dependent and to feed and to nourish each other. Hey, there's a secret here. There's a secret in that it's hard to be a Christian when you're apart from the body of Jesus Christ. The people who are able to, to withdraw and, and live in, in isolation by themselves, I mean, they're an extreme rarity. Because God created us to be together. And it's hard for us to, to grow in our faith, to be nourished in our faith, when we're on our own and when we are apart from other believers. Now part of that's the spiritual side, is that God created us as the church to, to feed and nourish and grow each other. But the other part of that is just being human. And, and God has created us to be in relationship with each other. It's our nature to be in fellowship with each other. It's not healthy for us to be apart from each other. We need connection. Whether it's in our lives or whether it's in our spiritual lives. For us to be in communion of the saints... It's for us to make the choice each day to be drawn out of the temptation of isolation and to plant ourselves in the body of Jesus, to become one of God's people, to be chosen by God to, to serve Him and to know Him and to enjoy being in the presence of God forever. See, friends, when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, 
We're acknowledging that Christianity as we know it doesn't stop with us. It doesn't stop with the teachings that I've heard. It doesn't stop with, with the Christian life that I've experienced. It doesn't stop with what just happens here in this church. But it's about how God works in our lives and in the lives of those around the world, both those who have gone before us and those who will follow us. Because Jesus Christ has chosen to work, not just in us, but in Christians throughout the world. And so whenever we say these words, we're saying, I believe in the work of God in the church around the world. And I believe that the faith and the life that I live and pursue is the same faith in life that I've received from those who have gone before me and that I will share for those who will come after me. Amen.